Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of AMA. I'm your host, Tom Bilyeu, and I'm here answering your questions. By the way, if you're in Los Angeles, we're going to be at the Los Angeles Comic Con this weekend. We're booth 1002. Hopefully, you guys will come by. Check it out. See me, say what's up, and dig neon future. All right, first question is from Jack Baker. I've recently discovered that I really struggle with comparing myself to others. I often assume that certain people are more put together or intelligent than I am. However, once I get to know them, I realize that their issues are, in fact, very similar to mine. I was wondering if you have any advice on preventing these faulty assumptions from forming in the first place. Thanks. So this is one of those, what you choose to believe about yourself is insanely important. And the loop that you allow yourself, allow being the key word here, is insanely important. So if you're building a false vision of yourself, it is because you're building your self-esteem around something that I would say is highly fragile. Being smart, being good, being talented, being right, worthy, all of those things are incredibly fragile. And by that, I mean that you're always going to meet somebody that's better, faster, smarter, stronger, whatever than you. So priding yourself on any of that stuff is already dangerous. Okay, so when you pride yourself on that, that's what sets up the loop of, oh my God, you haven't achieved this. You're not enough. You're not as smart as that person because your mind is constantly on the lookout for quote unquote danger. And that is a sign of danger because your ego is under assault. And once people realize that that will read, even though it's purely emotional danger, it still reads as danger. And because it reads as danger, your body's going to go into all the protective mechanisms, um, forcing you to really think about and obsess or have anxiety over what might happen. So that is the problem. So getting down to what you build your self-esteem around, what your identity is, that's really the starting point. Okay. If you get that taken care of, and you're priding yourself on being the learner and being willing to admit that you're wrong and all of those things that are anti-fragile, then you're already a huge step ahead. But if you're still finding that you're having the negative voice come into your head, have a zero tolerance policy for negative self-talk. And I find that if you're really struggling with this, advanced class, you don't do that. But if you're struggling with this, that's a very powerful method for getting out of that negative loop is having an absolute zero tolerance for that. And I find that that works for a whole host of beating yourself up, self-punishment, guilt, shame, all of that stuff can be combated by not allowing yourself to get into those negative loops. Now, advanced class, I think that there actually is a point to having that stuff. And once you get out of the obsessive loop, then it can be actually very useful to look at what you're doing wrong, to accept that you've got these problems. But I'm 
really encountering more and more and more people that struggle with this at a pathological level where it's actually beginning to spill into mental illness, um, depression, anxiety, um, obsessive compulsive disorder, a lot of this stuff will um, manifest as these obsessive loops. And one of the ways to begin to get out of that is just to have a zero tolerance policy for that stuff. Um, so I am well aware that that's easier said than done. And if we really are into the levels of pathology, you're probably far better off going to see a therapist than you are trying to do it yourself. But I highly recommend doing that with somebody that uses cognitive behavioral therapy. And so the zero tolerance is one of those types of techniques. All right. Chelton Nunez, how do I measure the quality of my life? I've been using my emotional and mental states as a guide, but those are quite elusive as I can't put them down and objectively look and compare them on paper. You asked the same questions to Tony Robbins and he mentioned using a scale. These emotional and mental states are way too complex to put them in words and measure like that. Any thoughts? Have you gotten an answer to this question? So um, I really, really believe that there is nothing else other than your emotional state measured over a period of time. So if you think of um, your hemoglobin A1C, that's basically measuring the level of blood sugar um, in your bloodstream over an extended period of time, so sort of your average level, um, tells you a lot about what they call glycation of tissues, which is basically um, sort of burning from the inside. Uh, so you have to be very careful with how high your levels go of blood sugar. Now, I think that there's a similar thing to be um, quant or sorry qualified internally yourself, you're not going to get the quantified data. And it's so funny, I was just at XPRIZE this weekend and we were talking about a happiness XPRIZE and I was saying that you'd have to find a way to actually quantify this stuff. Um, so it doesn't exist right now, but I think that we all have a, um, a qualified sense. You're not going to be able to put it down into a spreadsheet or a number, but a feeling that you have of where you're at on this. And right now, like I'm really thinking, I don't think that there is a better way until we can really begin to quantify this stuff. Um, but the, the emotion that you want to track is not happiness because happiness is far too fleeting and happiness can really be measured on time scales. So there's happiness like really immediately. And so over measured over minutes, a bowl of ice cream falls into that category. Um, but I think the far more interesting thing is to look at fulfillment and meaning. And so fulfillment is often born out of suffering. It endures through suffering. Um, so when I think about going to the gym, I don't enjoy the act of going to the gym, but the act of being a person that has the discipline to show up every day, to put in the work, to do the things that I need to do to be cognitively and physically optimized, to have the energy levels that I want to do, to do the hard things. That feels so good and the way that I feel about myself feels so good that that endures. And so that's something that when I measure that and I really look at how I feel about myself over an extended period of time, not necessarily any one acute moment, whether I'm feeling really good about something that I just did, but it's going to kind of balance back out or I feel really bad, but it's actually going to level back up and balance back out. So it's really, where is that sort of um, average line at? And looking at that over an extended period of time, I think is really important. And one thing that may help you if you're having trouble um, putting words around that is to journal and to not worry about whether you're getting the right sentiment, but just watch where your brain goes as you attempt to put words around it. And I think that you'll find while no one sentence really gets it, the feeling that you have and the things that you're grabbing for and the metaphors that you're using will really begin to show you sort of what the color palette of your emotions are. I know that's really weird. I'm sort of mixing metaphors, but what I mean by that is 
if you find that things are tending towards dark um, gray feelings as you're writing this stuff out, that's obviously telling you one thing. If you find that you're moving towards a, a sense of brighter, lighter colors, um, that's probably a good sign that you're in a better state, a happier state. And it's interesting, I've never said those words out loud, um, but that is like, uh, something that I find begins to really literally color my perception, which of course I'm having the realization in real time that that's where that um, statement comes from. So having a sense of like where all that falls by journaling, I think you may find really instructive. And I think moving away from trying to quantify it um, right now is probably the right answer. And then when you find out where you are, you can begin to make adjustments. Again, looking for fulfillment, looking for meaning, um, things that are far more enduring than just happiness. All right, Max B. I'm 22 years old. I have a steady job, 40 hours a week. It's outdoor work and I don't hate it, but it's not really what I want to be doing. My real passion, absolute commitment and drive lies with music. I have a very strong urge to ask for a layoff because I feel I need to be spending way more time on music I can go on unemployment I can go on employment insurance and only take a small pay cut which I can still live off of because I live at home and have 100% free time to work on music do you suggest still grinding at the normal job and spend free time working on music or follow through with the first plan okay my actual so I think you've you've uh, created a false dichotomy I don't know where you are in your life but what I actually encourage you to do is go intern somewhere and I think that getting the connections and working with somebody who's living your idealized life that person who can teach you more than you're going to be able to learn on your own, that can make the introductions that are going to allow you to actually build a life that um, you really love and is in the industry that you want to be in. I think it's if you're willing to live on just like pennies, I think that that's a far more useful way to spend your time. And this is something that I think people don't embrace the power of poverty. And when you're willing to be poor, the, the doors that open to you are absolutely astonishing. And people don't really look at this, but you have to use that time where you're more than happy to be in a poverty-stricken situation. Like, just you have to be razor clear about what you're trying to get out of it. And it isn't just time to work on that thing. It's trying to leverage that time in the most efficient and exaggerated way possible. And by exaggerated, I mean where you want to get an absolute disproportionate return off of your time. And the surest way to do that is to go intern for somebody that is way ahead of you on your journey. That will be incredibly instructive and it will introduce you to people, which is really, really huge. But getting inside that ecosystem and aim high, man. Go for somebody that's really living your idealized life. Now, beyond that, I'm not a burn the ships at the shore guy. So personally, my advice would be, if you don't wanna be in the grips of poverty, I think that staying at your job and doing nights and weekends, if you really love it, there are a lot of hours in nights and weekends that you can pull this off and really make huge strides. But again, um, to really leapfrog, I would go intern for the person living your ideal life. All right, Mitchell Lawrence. Here, the 27-year-old who thought he was too old. Uh, we have some typos here. Um, this is a statement. Mitch Lawrence here. Period. The 27-year-old who thought he was too old, there we go, now believing that I am never too old to start something, but you did an interview with Aubrey Marcus, and during the show, he mentioned about weaponizing beliefs. Unfortunately, I've trained my mind over the years to be weaponized against me. This has caused me to basically not see anything good about myself in any situation, be it work, sports, socializing, etc. It's perceived as a negative. Where do I begin to turn the weapons of belief in my favor? 
This is a growing concern for me. Um, I'm, I am not sure if this is a societal movement or if we're just paying more attention. I have some theories on this. I think that we're, and this is not going to seem like I'm answering your question and don't scroll off because I, I want to re-see these words, but guys, if you're feeling um, you're in a constant negative loop, if you don't have belief in yourself, if you don't love yourself, if you don't think that you're worthy, um, I think that there are some fundamental problems and nobody is associating these with the real problem. I think Honestly, honestly, number one is self-talk. Your self-talk is, is absolutely fucked. And you just, you've got to start saying positive things to yourself even if you don't believe them. And as dumb as this is about human nature, the reality is the things you re repeat become true. So if you repeat that you're an idiot, you're not worthy and all of that, even if you really are, you're going to believe that you're not. And if you repeat that you're good enough, that you can learn, that you can improve, that you can grow into this, that you're um, an extraordinarily kind person, all of the things that are positive and empowering, even if in the beginning they're not actually that true, and that on a spectrum maybe you're like really low, it is super weird just by repeating it, you're going to improve on these things. So get yourself talk in order. Next exercise, I'm going to um, guess that, I'll talk about sports though, uh, even if this doesn't apply to you, this applies so massively in general, um, start working out. So recently I've been so busy with the company that I really started missing a lot of training. I was traveling and all that and my energy levels started dropping. Now I haven't had low energy levels in two decades. So it was really weird. And for the first time, I understood what people mean when they say that they have more energy when they work out. Because I'd worked out so consistently for so long, um, I was really taking for granted that even though I've been doing it for so long, if I start backing off, my sort of resting energy levels begin to drop. And so it just working out, man, no matter how much you like or dislike it, you got to do it. And then number three is diet. Your diet's got to be tight. And I think that there is a massive microbiome component to people that have negative self-talk. I think their microbiome makes them feel bad. And that feeling begins to translate into words. And then I'll marry this all to what I was talking about earlier with what you build your self-esteem around matters. Your idea, your identity matters. So you've got to be very careful about that stuff. But those three things, self-talk, exercise, and diet, I think are so psychotically directly linked to the way that people feel about themselves. It's crazy. Nobody's talking about that. So um, weaponizing beliefs. If you're talking about like holding yourself accountable and pushing yourself and all of that, it only works once you believe in yourself, which is so important. And by believing yourself, I simply mean you believe that you can learn and grow and get better. Once you believe in yourself, once you have credibility with yourself, that you say something and you know that you're actually going to do it, then holding yourself accountable becomes not self-destructive. But once it's self-destructive, it is utterly pointless. And I'm just begging you guys all, it is better to just sort of dumbly tell yourself that you're amazing than to beat yourself up and get into this negative downward spiral. Remember, the only reason to push yourself that hard is because you're having a good time, because you love it and you wanna be great at it. You wanna do something extraordinary because you enjoy it. And it's the impact that you wanna have on the world, not because you have some moral obligation to be the best or to be great or anything like that. Man, I'm just, I'm really freaked out and I don't know if this is Instagram culture shit where we're just all comparing ourselves to other people. 
dude, you can't do that. You, you literally, it doesn't make sense. Like if your ultimate highest goal is not fulfillment, you're already off base. The whole reason to live and die for your family, which is something that people can really get behind, is because nothing brings more immediate fulfillment than family. But the fulfillment is the mechanism by which we can steer to know if we're moving in the right direction. And so constantly chasing something other than that feeling of, man, I've worked really hard to gain a set of skills and these skills serve not only myself but other people, like, that's it, that's the whole point. And so paralyzing yourself because you think you're a worthless piece of shit is not going to help you, it's not going to help other people. You would never do it to other people. You would never say the kinds of things to other people that you say to yourself. So like, I really feel like people have just fundamentally misunderstood the point of weaponizing beliefs or kicking yourself in your ass. Like the whole idea is to be able to touch the lives of other people to do rad things for yourself 100%, but to be doing it in a way that's uplifting you, that's pushing you to do more and be more and to hold yourself to a higher standard in a beautiful way, not in this like corrosive, I'm an asshole, I'm a bad person way, which is way easy to spend there. And so the easiest way I can sum it up for people, 80-20, man. If you're not spending 80% of your mental time loving yourself and telling yourself what a badass you are and focusing all of your time and attention on the good things you do, and I'm telling you, you're doing good things. It can be as simple as holding a door open for somebody, saying something kind to somebody, smiling at somebody. Like, it doesn't have to be big grand gestures, but spending 80% of your time focused on the positive things that you're doing even if what all you can do is muster the energy to say, I'm going to start smiling and holding doors open and all of that stuff, spend 80% of your time focused on the good. Don't let yourself spend more than 20% of your time focused on the negative. You just can't do it. All right, Daniel Breeze. Tom, you have over and over again stated that you're building a studio to rival Disney. Were you never scared of setting such an audacious goal that would take so long? In the past, I found I've had a fear of stating a goal because I was afraid I wouldn't want to pursue it in the long term. Absolutely. And it's funny, as I was reading the question, first my brain was like, no, of course not. Like, you've got to be bold. You've got to be willing to say things. And if you fail, but you were earnestly pursuing it with everything you had, like, that's still a win because the whole idea is the pursuit. And then I remembered, that's only modern me. That's only since I adopted a growth mindset. Before that, 100%, I was literally terrified. I never wanted to say what I really wanted to do with my life because I was afraid that if I didn't, that I would look like an idiot or that would mean that I was a bad person or I would just be embarrassed. And so for years and years and years, I was absolutely terrified to say the things that I really wanted to do because I wasn't even prepared to let myself believe that I could do them. And because the belief felt so empty, then I really didn't want to say it out loud. So yes, I think most everybody starts there. And it's really just about building a core set of beliefs that's going to free you from that. And some of those core beliefs are just about humans. It doesn't even have to be about you. Humans are the ultimate adaptation machine. What we are designed to do from the ground up is adapt, to put ourselves under pressure, under stress, and to improve at something. That's just what we do. That human potential is unlimited. Like Once you just start believing these things, and to believe them, you need simply repeat them over and over and over relentlessly. Um, then, and by the way, forcing yourself to look at all the ways that that's true instead of all the disconfirming evidence, um, 
and this is not a post-truth thing. I'm saying this about yourself, believing this about the things that you can do, positive things, uplifting things about yourself. Um, when you begin to do that, then all of a sudden it isn't so scary to say it because you have a core belief that even if I fail, if I was really doing it in earnest, and that's, that's where I think a lot of people fall down is they're lying to themselves. They're bullshitting. They know they're not going to follow through because they haven't taken the time to earn credibility with themselves. They haven't done the things that they need to do to get to the point where they know when they say they're going to do something that they're actually going to do it. And so I say that I'm going to build a studio to rival Disney because I really know about myself to the core of my being that my chasing fulfillment is 100% aligned with chasing that. So Every step that I take to build this studio, I'm doing it in a way that makes me fulfilled. I'm building a team in a way that fulfills me, that builds connection and trust and emotional safety. So it's like I've integrated all of this stuff so that I know the more that I'm chasing, the one thing that matters, which is fulfillment, that I'll be going after this thing in earnest. And if I fail, I fail, but I will have really, truly tried and I will have really, truly looked, stared nakedly at my inadequacies, tried to figure out like, how do I improve? How do I get better? How do I get rid of ego? How do I do and learn all of the things that I will need to do and learn in order to get there? And because I know that about myself, I know that the journey is exciting for me. I know that I'm really invested in the process and I am not at all, I think this is true, and if it's not true, it is so damn close. I'm not really invested in the goal. And the reason I say not really invested is because you need something that actually is exciting to you, and the thought of building that and having that thing is very exciting to me, and having the kind of impact that I wanna have is so exciting to me. But I, I know that even if I'm there, I'll just be moving on to the next thing and wanting to do more and have more and be more and that's the fun of it for me. So there's no point at which you go, oh yeah, I've made it. So, and I love that. I love that about life. And I think this is part of the reason I'm so obsessed with wanting to live forever is, you know, I've been at this game of life for 42 years and I've never once thought, you know, I'm kind of tired of playing. So if you have a sense that you will get to that, oh, I'm tired of playing, I just think you're playing the wrong game and that there is something that you could do and pursue that you would love so much um, that you just bout it. So yeah, that, that got a little off topic, but there you go. All right, Serena S. Hi, Tom. In the past two years, I've deliberately cultivated a growth mindset. That's amazing. Thank you for pointing out the path from so many different angles. Now I've identified that in particular moments, I feel deeply insecure in my stomach. It's like I have this voice incessantly telling me I'm not enough. And on the flip side of that, it appears as if I've wired myself to be looking for approval in others I look up to and respect. And this combination gets in my way of sharing what I have to contribute, be it my sense of humor, problem-solving perspective, or even the executing of simple tasks. I'm up for learning anything and playing the long game. What do you recommend? Thanks. So when I became a good interviewer was when I realized I have these weird idiosyncrasies, um, things that I'm interested in, things that I'm excited about. And in the beginning, I didn't let them out because I thought, oh, I'm not sure that's what people want in this interview. And like, how would, you know, the, the sort of they interview this person? And I finally said, you know what, fuck it and I'm just gonna do me, and I'm gonna interview the things, uh, the way that I wanna interview, I'm gonna ask the questions I wanna ask, and people are looking at me now, and you know, the show has got credibility, and we're able to get great guests on, and um, you know, to, 
I guess, step outside of humility for a second and just say, I get a lot of credit. And I think I'm just fucking good. That's just the truth. I think I'm a very good interviewer. I've worked really fucking hard to get good. There, stop being, uh, dancing around it. Now, the way that I got there was because I finally just decided to do me and to ask the questions I want to ask and to do the interviews the way that I want to do the interviews and regardless of whether anybody else is interested in that. But then you get into a place where you're, you're doing things so differently because you're not trying to be the average of what you think the world wants. You're just being you. And then you're collecting the people that respond to that. And when I think about the, really, impact theory is so minuscule. It's ridiculous when you think that we're edging up on 8 billion people on the planet. So it's like, any niche, however weird you are, when there's 8 billion people in the world, all of a sudden there are going to be a metric ton of people that think like you think. So when you think that even 100 million people is an absolute ridiculously tiny fraction of the total world population, um, it's pretty incredible when you only need a million, a couple million to like just be absolutely on fire with what you're doing and to be able to support your life and all that. It's, it's really a pretty extraordinary time that we live in. So be yourself, find out where it takes you, collect people that think like you think, that respond to the things that you respond to. Um, that's really the fun of it. All right, Andrew Scottsko, it's gotta be close to that, was just re-listening to Cal Newport's book, So Good They Can't Ignore You, getting a refresh on the passion development process and career capital theory. Here's my question. Based on your experience, what are the skills a person must get so good at to be a successful entrepreneur that they can't be ignored? Is it a winner-take-all market, one skill dominates all others, or an auction market, unique combo of many skills makes the difference? Some of this changes and is specific to the business you wanna start, but are there certain skills that are essential no matter what industry you go into? Okay, yes, but I think that no one person can do everything. So I think that there are really three things any organization has to be extraordinary at, and that is people, process, and product. So you have to be really good at that, and I think that they take three very different skill sets, and so it's probably gonna be three different people within the company. Um, So being extraordinary at any one of those at a high entrepreneurial level, um, I think you'll win. You don't have to be good at all three. Um, I think that being good at any one of those things is multiple skills rather than just one thing. Um, So to use your words, I think that it is an auction market. I think a unique set of many skills is what's needed. Um, One of the things that I think is incredibly useful if you wanna be the founding entrepreneur and that is the ability to um, galvanize a team. And I think that that is something that if I were going to encourage people to put just just an unimaginable amount of energy into it. Team building and marketing, those are probably the two things um, that I would say are just just essential to be able to get things off the ground and those two skills happen to be related. So the reason I say they're related is building a team has everything to do with marketing internally. So you're letting the team know what the mission is, what you're trying to do, galvanizing them around the actions that they have to take, making sure that everybody has clarity on messaging, that um, it's just there's a terrifying level of clarity within the organization. And then the same thing going outside. You have to be able to, somebody said earlier, You've said over and over and over that you're building a studio to rival Disney and baby, that's marketing 101. Making sure that people know what you're about, that they know what your mission is and hopefully I've repeated just as many times that the reason that we're doing that is because we want to pull people out of the matrix. We want to give them an empowering belief system and I just believe the only way to do that at scale is through media. Um, So 
Yeah, that's, that's the skill set that I would say you want to get extraordinarily good at. Creating emotional safety is another way to say it in terms of um, building a team. And I think that that is huge. So psychology, if I were going to put another um, spin on those same two things, team building, marketing, psychology, to me, they're all very much related. Um, they won't build a business by themselves, but if I were going to have to give you three skills that I think are just insanely important for an entrepreneur, it would be those. All right, anonymous. I have fully embraced the concept that all that matters is how I feel about myself when I'm by myself, but I still struggle with anxiety over how others perceive me, especially in work settings when I'm presenting to managers whose opinions of me can and will influence my career path within my company. I seek feedback and it makes me realize everyone has a unique perspective. I get self-conscious because I'm caught up with how I may be coming across to different individuals at all times. I'm now able to separate other people's perceptions of me from my self-esteem, but I want to advance my career, others' opinions matter. How should I be thinking about this? All right, so you're absolutely right. And this is one of those things that is really difficult to balance the nuanced reality. And I find that a lot of times, um, you know, we're talking at the sort of blunt force trauma level of how to build something. Um, and then I try to give sort of the advanced class spin, but I'm so worried that people don't get that base level that I probably don't talk enough at sort of the nuanced level. So um, let's get really nuanced here. So the reality is one of the things you have to get so good at that people can't ignore you is precisely um, figuring out what your role requires and what the next role up requires so that you know where you're moving to and that you not only have the skill set for where you are, but that you're developing the skill set for where you want to go. Because when people can see that, oh, they'd be good not only at this, but they'd actually be good at the next level up, they have those skills or taking on those projects, then that is really going to be beneficial. Now, one of the ways that you're going to back yourself out of the anxiety is to remind yourself that being anxious does not serve you in that goal. So all of the mental rehearsal that you're doing about what they might think and how you're coming across in that moment, it's not serving you. So you're gonna have a zero tolerance policy for that. So one of the things that I tell people is let failure take you completely by surprise. Now, I get how counterintuitive that seems and people think, no, you've gotta be prepared for all of that. I'm telling you, you're, what you're doing is you're rehearsing how things could go wrong. Don't do that. Now, success should not at all surprise you because you should be thinking relentlessly about how you're gonna pull this off, how you're gonna make this work, but don't waste cycles protecting yourself from failure because what that's going to do is it's going to put you in the loop that you're already talking about where you're thinking about how am I coming across? What are people thinking? Oh my God, what if they think I'm an idiot? What, what's going to happen to my career path? And oh my God, if that person doesn't like me in this meeting, if I fuck this meeting up, then I'm really not going to go anywhere. And the problem is as you rehearse for that and you start thinking, okay, what, what will I do if I mess this meeting up? And how, you know, how am I going to build back from this? Man, you can't do that. You really have got to stop rehearsing that failure. Instead, start asking, okay, if I crush this, like what am I gonna do to really magnify the momentum? And start visualizing, or like I do, I don't actually visualize, I use words to describe the scene about, you know, I'm gonna go up front and everybody's gonna be there and I'm gonna be completely prepared and all eyes are gonna be on me and I really want all eyes on me. And I thrive in situations where all eyes are on me. And so I'm gonna present the material and people are gonna be totally blown away. And I might go into more detail, but you guys get the gist. And so what I'm rehearsing is the success. And I'm thinking about how to, you know, magnify the momentum rather than going, God, what do I do if this goes wrong? And I get it, every part of you is gonna want to rehearse that, but you just have to stop because that is exactly what creates anxiety. Anxiety is born of you practicing a future 
that is negative, that creates danger, emotional danger. So you're rehearsing how to deal with the emotional danger. So your body's reacting like you're in the danger. And so now you just have to accept that that is not a way to come in confident. That's not a way to um, do the things you want to do, which is actually impress people. So the irony is to impress the people, you've got to stop thinking about impressing them. You've got to start thinking about what is this project about? How do I get the results that I want to get? Doubling down on that, figuring out how you win, how you magnify the momentum when you win, and really being honest about that and figuring out exactly what you have to do to crush it, that's how you're going to win. That's how you're going to actually impress the people that you need to impress. That's how you're actually going to advance your career. It isn't going to happen by rehearsing the potential failure. All right. That's all we have time for today. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. If you're living in Los Angeles this weekend, come by booth 1002 at the LA Comic Con. We will be there, Neon Future, rocking that out. You can come see me, hang out. It would be awesome to see you there. If you're not, by the way, already following us at at IT Comics, be sure you do that where you're going to get all the news on the narrative that we're building to create that studio. I think we've got some really exciting stuff building and brewing that we'll be announcing in the coming months. And I'm super pumped on that. Uh, But come by the booth for a little bit of teaser on that as well. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Rate and review, that always helps. God, I have a lot of asks, which you should never do. But one more ask. Until next time, my friends, do your best to think positively about yourself. We had a lot of questions on that theme today. And I want to see you guys fall in love with yourselves and really encourage that. All right. Until next time, my friends, be legendary. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys. Thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.